0: Hello, and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm Emma Cantor, Deputy Children's Book Editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with author Michael W. Waters about his new picture book, For Beautiful Black Boys Who Believe in a Better World. The book is due out September 22nd from Fly Away Books, which is sponsoring this podcast. Michael W. Waters is an award-winning author, activist, professor, and pastor. He is also a frequent social commentator for major media outlets. He was named one of America's emerging leaders by Ebony Magazine and has received multiple honors for his work in peace and justice. His new picture book, For Beautiful Black Boys Who Believe in a Better World, illustrated by Keisha Morris, explores one black family's response to racism and gun violence. Thank you for joining me, Michael.
1: I'm delighted to be here with you. Thank you so much.
0: In your author's note, you describe how your experience as a father served as the spark for Jeremiah's story, The Young Boy in the Book. Can you share more about that inspiration?
1: Absolutely. I often say that when I first looked upon my son, he was, in fact, the most beautiful black boy that I had ever seen. And my desire as his father was to ensure uh, that I could give him all that he needed, all that was in my capacity to provide so that he could uh, ultimately lead the most uh, prosperous and beneficial life that he could have. Uh, But I was also met immediately with the startling reality that I would have to help him navigate life as a black male, a black boy, ultimately to become a black man, which is a very challenging road, a treacherous odyssey for uh, black men in America. I knew that there would be threats to his existence, uh, threats that would uh, come rather immediately in life and that I had a a very clear responsibility of, of giving him the best information that I had available from my own navigation of uh, this nation and this world, and pray that that would also not diminish the glimmer uh, that was in his eye, that he had the potential and that there were endless possibilities before him still Uh, despite these uh, treacherous realities. And so it was a mixed uh, bag of emotions. I think James Baldwin may have summarized it best in his debate at Cambridge in 1965 when he says that there comes a time in the life of a black parent, he locates that time somewhere around their 30th birthday, where they come to the recognition that they are powerless to protect their children from experiencing racial discrimination, that some of the challenges that they themselves have experienced, they will not be able to shield their children from in totality. And so therefore, with that recognition, while I understood that uh, it would be impossible to shield my son from those uh, realities, I can do the very best that I could do to prepare him for how to navigate the world and continue to move toward success.
0: Throughout the book, you state the names of real-life victims of racially motivated violence, and that list has sadly grown in the past few months with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and so many more. How does it feel to have your book coming out at this particular moment in the Black Lives Matter movement?
1: Well, there's this Greek word of kairos, this intersection of our time with God's time. And this feels like a kairos moment, a providential moment that this book was written for such a time as this. Of course, I long for a day where hashtags cease and where parents and loved ones no longer have to gather the bodies of their loved ones uh, that have been broken in the streets. Uh, Indeed, that's my great desire, but until that day, I know that we must continue to provide resources that not only speak to the challenges of our day, but uh, point to a place of hope. Uh, Very much to what James Weldon Johnson penned and what we now call the Black National Anthem, we have come over a way that with tears has been watered. We have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered. And unfortunately, that has been our journey. Uh, But it feels like this book is coming out at a very important time, because parents and trusted adults are wrestling with how to have these very real and necessary conversations with uh, the young people in their care. Uh, And we know that from firsthand experience. My wife and I, of looking on the screen, looking in the newspaper, hearing stories. Uh, an additional step for us because of our activism being connected uh, with families that have experienced this pain and then having to walk with our children towards a level of understanding. Uh, Not that these uh, brutalities can ever be understood in a way uh, that they are acceptable, but explain these realities in such a way that they understand the struggle and understand what is necessary to make change in the world. I have been blown away by the responses that we've received thus far from those persons who've had a chance to uh, review the book, uh, for those persons who have spoken to me just in their anticipation that there is a book coming uh, that will speak to this issue. And uh, that has been overwhelming, and I have been grateful and very honored and humbled that Uh, at such a time as this uh, for beautiful black boys will be available uh, to those who need it.
0: At first, Jeremiah isn't ready to talk about the violence and tragedy that he witnesses, and it takes time for him to process before he approaches his parents. What advice would you give fellow parents and guardians for having those difficult but necessary conversations you alluded to about racism with young people?
1: I think presence is so important that even when children are unable or unwilling to talk, the fact that you are near and accessible to them speaks volumes, Uh, that they know that at any time uh, when they are ready, uh, that you will have a listening ear. I think that's paramount in the development of children. And so I would say first that it's important that parents be present and be vulnerable. We don't have to have all of the answers, and we can also share some of our own concerns, our own trepidations. I think that children can sense and are actually comforted by that level of transparency and honesty. But then there may be a time that comes when the child is ready to begin the conversation. Uh, Maybe there's some questions that they Uh, desire to pose, maybe begin to hear them make some declarative statements that open up the opportunity for uh, a larger conversation. And I would say be ready. Be ready for those moments and don't miss them. Don't dismiss them. Be fully present in them and understand that they can be life-transforming moments. Uh, For our son in particular, he's very much so like his father. He takes in a lot of information wrestles with it for a season and then comes a point in time uh, when he's ready to share and that was our experience with our son that after being present and being available uh he was ready to talk and i'm thankful that at the time that he was ready to talk we were present and available to listen and journey with him towards some resolutions
0: thank you for sharing your experience the book features a discussion guide by the Muhammad Ali Center of Louisville, Kentucky. I'm curious, how did that collaboration come about? And what are some of the action points that you together put on offer for combating racism and injustice?
1: What I understand, and as soon as Flyway Books received the manuscript, they had a greater vision of connecting with the Muhammad Ali Center. And the manuscript was ultimately sent to Lani Ali, uh, the widow of Muhammad Ali. And it is one of my uh, great honors in life that uh, as she viewed this book, as she read it, as she considered it, she thought it worthy of fixing her husband's uh, legendary name to it, one of the great uh, figures and humanitarians of all time. And that partnership birth, This discussion guide and activity guide and now even a coloring sheet so that uh, trusted adults and children can truly engage uh, the subject matters in the book beyond the book itself and continue the conversation Uh, in the study guide and the discussion guide and the activity guide. You'll find suggestions on how to create that type of safe space for having the dialogue. Uh, You'll have references to the book as well as incidences that are lifted up in the book for further conversation. Uh, There are suggestions for how to have this dialogue in the living room, as well as the classroom. And activities, things that young people can do, uh, can be a part of to begin making uh, a great difference in the world. You'll find all of that in the uh, discussion and activity guide. I think that the Muhammad Ali Center did a tremendous job with it. And I'm excited not only for uh, families to, and, and others to engage the book, but I'm excited for the further engagement they'll receive through the guide.
0: The story you've crafted is very introspective, focusing on the young boy's process of learning about and questioning the racism and violence around him. How do you feel that the illustrations by Keisha Morris serve the story and provide a different element?
1: They're stunning and moving depictions uh, to the words that are on the page, a gripping artistry uh, that Miss Morris has provided. And I'm so grateful for her gifting and her willingness to share her gift with the world through this book. It is as essential to the story's narrative as the words themselves. Um, I've heard from one educator in particular, who mentioned that the pictures alone moved her to tears. And when she began to engage the texts that came alongside those pictures, uh, the tears flowed uh, even more greatly. So this is a very meaningful book and it's made all the more meaningful because of uh, her tremendous way of capturing these emotions and the turns uh, in the narrative in a visual form, and so I'm 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 so appreciative that she came alongside this project and blessed it with her gifts.
0: And did you have any input on the art while she was creating it?
1: I didn't have any direct input on the art itself. Um, I did see early depictions and was absolutely blown away. Uh, I fundamentally believe that uh, creatives need to have the room to create. And uh, she did a phenomenal job. When I look at the pictures, I, I see our family and I am moved uh, again. And so uh, very grateful once again that uh, Miss Morris provided uh, great leadership in uh, depicting the story in picture. And I think uh, it's going to be a wonderful gift to anyone who's able to engage the book.
0: Amid all of the struggle he faces, Jeremiah also shows pride and joy as he grows out his hair in long locks. Why did you choose to include that aspect in your story?
1: Well, it's based on real life, and our son's hair journey has been a very important part of his own growth and development. Um, It's something that he made a decision about as a, a younger boy, that he desired to grow out his hair in that style. And uh, his mother and I absolutely got behind him and uh, informed him that it would be uh, somewhat of a journey itself in uh, growing out his hair. But he was committed to doing it and has seen it through. And so it was impossible for me to uh, pin a story uh, that was shaped by our our family's experiences and his own experience, uh, also including Uh, his hair journey as a part of that journey, but it also speaks to a greater reality that unfortunately, uh, as there has been a persecution of pigmentation and a criminalization of color in America, uh, there's also been uh, challenges in relationship to natural hair. Uh, We've had too many incidences where uh, young people have been expelled from school for sporting their hair in a way that it naturally grows from their heads. Uh, That there are working professionals, men and women, uh, who have lost their jobs or who have faced other prohibitations because of the hair, the way it naturally grows from their heads. And so in many ways, I think that black hair is a marker of resistance. And uh, this book, in many ways, is also a marker of resistance. What is necessary to resist in order to change the world and so uh jeremiah's hair for those who will read the book uh, uh, becomes a character in and of itself that uh, contributes to the narrative and points to our hopes for a better world
0: absolutely you mentioned earlier james baldwin and muhammad ali who are some of your other influences and role models
1: Greatest role model happens to be my family over many generations, uh, who have in each generation stood up for justice and righteousness. From my great 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 grandfather, who was one of the founders of Paul Quinn College, the oldest historically black college west of the Mississippi River, to my now 92 year old grandmother, who, as a student at Houston Tillerson College, invited then Uh, a young attorney named Thurgood Marshall to Austin as she was the leader of a multi-ethnic interracial group fighting for racial justice in the 1940s. My grandfather, who was nearly lynched by the Klan as a young boy and grew up to be a leader uh, in the NAACP in Falls County, Texas, while also serving as an educator and ultimately rising to become a county judge and county commissioner. I don't have to look very far for inspiration. I can look at my mother, my father, my grandparents, aunts, aunts, uncles, cousins, who have made great sacrifices for the progress of our family and the progress of uh, black people. But I also want to celebrate such figures as Amelia Boynton Robinson uh, as everyone was memorializing, and rightfully so, the recent death of Congressperson John Lewis, Not everyone knows the name Amelia Boynton Robinson, a woman who I was blessed to meet, who was actually responsible for bringing Dr. King to Selma in 1965, to bring about the Selma to Montgomery March, who herself had worked for voting rights for over two decades before it reached its climax in the winter and spring of 1965. It's persons like Vera Harris, and people don't know Vera name very well, or the name of her husband, Richard Harris, both now deceased. But these two wonderful persons who opened up their homes to Freedom Riders in 1961 in Montgomery, who were neighbors to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Coretta Scott King, who displayed uh, great courage in their own time. And so I've been afforded uh, tremendous blessings uh, given our work in ministry Uh, to connect with individuals who have led in the movement. I've shared with John Lewis, I've shared with Andrew Young, I've shared with Reverend Jesse Jackson, extraordinary people, extraordinary legacies. But I've also shared with those foot soldiers of the movement, those persons whose names history doesn't uh, recollect uh, as frequently as others, doesn't bring to the fore as frequently as other names, uh, but who made tremendous sacrifices as well. And uh, they are my heroes. Uh, this past uh, February, I had the opportunity to sit beside and have a conversation with Sarah Collins Rudolph, who was the fifth girl in that church in Birmingham, 16th Street Baptist Church, when a bomb was exploded there on September the 15th, 1963. And as we shared in conversation, along with her husband, I was on the side of her face that was most impacted by the bomb, and I could still see how those scars framed the eye that was ultimately lost. And I recognize the true cost of justice in our nation and those who are willing to give their all to make a difference. But I also know what turned the tide in Birmingham was the Children's March the children who were willing to get in the streets, the children who were willing to make a difference. And there's a great legacy of young people, of youthful activism, of children who make this world a better place. And I've been honored to know those persons now uh, in their senior years who as children made a contribution to make our world better. And I pray that through this book and through the lessons they have taught me, I can instill that same level of strength and courage in the life of children today to know that they too can make great contributions to our world.
0: How has your work as an activist and pastor transitioned into this writing for young people?
1: Well, much like Baldwin said, Baldwin suggested that he was an observer to history and had a responsibility of capturing that history and recording it and bringing it forward. And so because we've been afforded some very unique opportunities in ministry and in activism, the opportunity to come alongside the families of victims of police brutality, the opportunities to be very active in the fight to bring down Confederate monuments, uh, the opportunities to stand up against gun violence within our communities, all those things become a part of you and I think that as I wrote this book, those various experiences, along with the experiences of uh, my son and our family, uh, were able to be captured in a way that is authentic and truthful on the page. I think it's important uh, to acknowledge that you know, there's an opportunity to write from observation alone. But uh, there's something uh, deeper that you can pull from. There's a deeper well you have access to when you write not only from what you've observed uh, from afar, but you can write from the standpoint of what you have experienced as well.
0: In spite of the sadness and fear that Jeremiah and his family experience, they cling to hope that they can make the world a better place. And I'm reminded of the optimism in the final op-ed by John Lewis, who you mentioned earlier. It's titled, Together You Can Redeem the Soul of Our Nation. What is your hope for your book and for its impact?
1: Well, the great Tupac Amaro Shakur once said that he himself might not change the world, but that he would spark the mind of the one who would. And that indeed is my prayer, that I might not change the world, but I hope these words spark the minds of young people in such a way that they know that they can and that they courageously go forward to do just that. Uh, I believe that we're called to manifest hope in the world not a falsified hope that does not take inventory of the realities that surround us, but one that sees the very real pain and challenges of our day, but also sees beyond it to the possibilities of a better existence. I think it's the same hope uh, that guided the abolitionists to see a world free from chattel slavery at a time when chattel slavery was a law of the land. I think it's the same thing that provided strength to those uh, courageous persons who fought and stood up against segregation, stood for desegregation and stood up for civil rights. That same hope that allowed them uh, to face uh, numerous brutalities themselves, uh, but also saw a world ultimately where our white only and black only signs were brought down. I think it's too late to see the possibilities of something greater at the time it's achieved. I think our world is made better by those persons who see what we have the potential to be at the time that we are not that and who work every single day to create the dream that they carry in their hearts to be our reality. I mean, John Lewis left us with a helpful note Dr. King did as well. I might not get there with you, but we as a people will get to the promised land. I think that's a part of our heritage, that we have the capacity to look beyond present difficulties to see the hope of a better day. And my prayer, particularly for the young people who read this book, who have this book read to them, uh, that they will find themselves woven into that great narrative of the manifestation of hope and that they will commit themselves to contribute in their own time to make our world a better place.
0: And in that spirit of looking ahead, do you have any more children's books in the works?
1: Yes. Uh, Also with flyaway books uh, coming in 2021, a book entitled Liberty's civil rights road trip, which is a book based on our youngest daughter, in a journey that I led of faith leaders from Dallas on a civil rights pilgrimage during the 50th anniversary commemoration of the assassination of Dr. King. It's an opportunity for young people to get a introduction to civil rights history, which I also hope would help in their formation of justice and social action. We have a book entitled Hope's Heart that is currently before a publisher based upon our middle daughter's experience uh, as a a hypoplastic patient. And there are very few books that provide an intersection between race and other abledness, And uh, we believe that this will be an impactful book for uh, those who read it. And then uh, my wife and I just announced that we are expecting our fourth child this December.
0: Congratulations
1: thank you very much. And already uh, he has captured our hearts and uh, there's something turning in my mind that I think soon will come become a manuscript uh, based on our expectation of his entry into the world. So as you see, my family is a great inspiration. Matter of fact, they are the inspiration that channels our energies and commitment. And uh, I am all the better uh, for having them in my life. That
0: all sounds really wonderful. Thank you for speaking with me, Michael.
1: It was my great honor. Thank you so much.
0: Once again, I've been speaking with author Michael W. Waters about his new picture book, For Beautiful Black Boys Who Believe in a Better World, which is due out on September 22nd from Fly Away Books. Thank you for listening to PW Kids Cast.